0: Back to Cofield and
1: Company.
2: Derek hasn't played horribly, but he really hasn't played well, especially late in games. At some point, he has to step up and play better. I think there's enough tools in the toolbox to get it done, and Derek Carr hasn't, especially when they needed him the most late in games. If you look at his one-loss record, 59 and 77, That really says it all. Derek Carr has to find a way to put this team on his shoulders and get them to the finish line. Rich Cannon bringing the sad news. I don't know what we're going to have around Christmas time at quarterback. I don't know if Derek Carr can take this much longer. It was rough. It was rough on Sunday, and then we got... Uh, fracturing stuff where we're hearing players thrown under the bus. We'll get into all that here in a second with Adam Hill. Giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. Encore Theater at the win. Residency, November 9th to the 19th. John Fogerty performing his uh, CCR and solo hits. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Ari will give you a pair right now if you're caller 7. John Fogerty, get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Encore. Theater at the Win, November 9th to the 19th. So we're there. We're already in uh, that, that zone. But So we got tickets for the rest of the run. 364-1100. Call Ari Caller 7. All right. Adam Hill is in studio. We're out here at the Thomas & Mac. Adam, how you doing?
1: I am good. we got a, a nice sampling of John Fogarty at halftime on Sunday. Uh, so highly recommend it. Okay, good.
2: I was yeah. waiting for you to, to take a dump on him, but you, you didn't no. do that. Good. I'm smart. Yes. You are smart sometimes. Sometimes. All right. Well, this is upheaval right now. First no, of all It's nice and calm. Everything's no, it's, quiet. It's insane. First of all, you were there for Derek Carr and his emotional breakdown. What would you see?
1: Oh, I thought you wanted to talk about the XFL draft starting today. That was we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, I, I didn't know we were talking NFL. This is totally a, a shock to me. Um, yeah, it was, I, I think, more, more noteworthy than, I mean, everybody is focused on the, the tears and the crying. Um, I thought more noteworthy was the swaying. Like, I've never seen that from Derek Carr at a press conference. I've probably been to, I don't know, 150 more Derek Carr press availabilities. I've never seen him just swaying back and forth the entire time.
3: I thought the interruption to tell him, excuse me, I want to finish my crying thoughts right now. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought that was pretty good.
2: Um, yeah, who tried to cut him off? If, if someone's crying and they're getting emotional, let it run out. What are we doing?
1: Uh, I agree. I agree.
2: Um,
3: it's been
1: talked
2: about. It was probably probably uh, an important
3: question. Like
2: that's <laughs> a, that's how that by the way, that's how you don't get one of my votes for Nevada Broadcaster of the Year.
1: Hmm. Well it wasn't me. So don't don't talk to me. I knew
2: it wasn't you. I, I knew I, I I just didn't recognize the voice. But if like you got a story developing here, the guy's very upset. Let him finish. You don't you don't your job is not to save him. Let, let me also God it drives me nuts.
1: I'm also going to say Or am something. I just a
2: terrible human being you like we, you know you need to run up and give Derek a hug. That would be the right thing to do.
1: Could have done that. Well, we saw that with uh, Josh Dubois earlier in the in the preseason, but that was they did hug. a more friendly time. It was yes. during the crying time. I'm going to say something very very vague for a reason because it maybe it's something that, you know, I'm trying to find out more information on. I know this is obnoxious to leave it at this, but something happened in the locker room after the game. Right. Something. Yeah. And I kind of have an idea
2: uh, with, that I can't really go into, but something happened. And I, so I, I, I assume that was the case because when Willie Ramirez described it, he said "You know, Carr was upset walking in there, which my response was, and he probably shouldn't have walked in there at that moment. Someone needs to stop him from going in there. So you think something happened in the locker room. He's coming fresh off of some sort of conflict or discussion.
1: Yeah, and I think he, he may have, to, you know, to your point, I think he may have because it was, it was about the longest we've ever seen between McDaniels and Carr. Oh, okay. So I think he did try to take his time, and maybe it just still, still hit him when he got in there. So I, I, I don't want to, you know, I know a lot of people are piling on. I know, uh, you know, Bart Scott yesterday just kind of unloaded on. There's no crying in football, and you know, crushed him, um, called him a girl, and then backed off and said no girls are actually tough. Uh, I, I know that has so been happening. Is- uh, but I, I don't want to go like I, I think there's a lot more to whatever it was, and now you know, whatever is leaking out about who the targets were or if there was somebody that he had in mind, I don't know. I think it was a lot more than one person, first of all. And I also think, look, it's, it's very clear, and I know uh, Charles Robinson talked about this uh, from Yahoo, but it's look around at who is in place. There's an owner, like of things that you could drastic changes you can make. There's an owner, there's a coach and a GM and a quarterback. Like, those are the four, like, pillars that you can, tra- you can change. And one of them can be moved on from with no penalty after this year. Like, I, I think Derek Carr sees the writing on the wall. I, I think, you know, he obviously is-, is emotionally frustrated and exhausted at the fact that this was supposed to be the year. That he kind of took things to a new level. That hasn't happened. I think he sees the, you know, the, the writing on the wall that this is, you know, the last whatever Seven, how many games? Seven games left. Uh, this game this season is so long. Eight games left. Uh, there's eight games left and that's probably what's left in his career. The guy who covers them this this
2: season is Dude, so I can't long. I can't
1: you I wanna I'm cry. Very focused on the XFL right now. Yes. Uh he's got eight games left in his basically in his Raiders' career and they don't mean anything. Like that's the reality of the situation. And I like I think it was it's very emotional and he is an emotional guy and I get why he was an emotional, but I also think there was a lot of other factors at play.
2: In the bites that we pulled, you know, watching him speak, he was kind of a mess. And there was part of it where I'm, I was like, wait, did, what did he say? When he talked about putting a body, did he say putting something in a body or a body was going through something? He said, you guys,
1: you guys have no idea, or some guys have no idea, you know, what other guys put in their bodies just to sleep at night. Just oh, to okay. get out on the
2: practice field. In their bodies, not like into their bodies. Like the hard work into their bodies. Uh, and what are you? Are you? Ta- what?
3: Are we talking about chemicals? Or are we talking about like physical work?
1: I assumed he meant chemicals of some sort.
3: I mean, like, so like, let's just – okay, so we're beating around the bush a little bit here. Is he talking about Darren Waller? Like, this is the thing that we've kind of talked about a couple of times here. Waller's on injured reserve. Do we get this weird piece from the RJ – I think it's weird. Those are my words. About Darren Waller and the frustration within the organization after some of those comments. And even if it's not, Adam, I mean, you can clearly see why people, would, I think, would put those two things together.
1: It's – everything about it is weird. Everything's weird. Like, I that, – that's one of the reasons I think it, it – like, to me – it couldn't have been just named at Darren Waller, because you wouldn't have said something like that in reference to Darren Waller, knowing what you right. know he has gone through. So I, I think it had to be more than one person. Um, or if he was thinking specifically of him, I don't know what that could mean. Um it's it's a it's a, a weird season. It's a weird postgame. Um the locker room was incredibly strange. I'll just say that. Uh I mean, I've been in there after losses. It's
2: ugly and sad and bad. Like, strange how? Like, I, like, I don't want to be here. I don't like the people I'm around. Because we also got Devontae Adams saying that they're, the buy-in's not there from some people. So, like, is there angst in the locker room where it's like, I don't want to be around these guys right now?
1: I, I have a feeling that some guys in the locker room were not happy with how casually some other guys in the locker room were taking losses. Yeah. And, so, I, and I think that's part of what went into Devante saying what he said and, and, and Derek being emotional about what he said. of Some guys, and, and if you you got to read between the lines and listen to like every single thing that is said every single day by everyone. But Josh McDaniels on Monday kind of brought it up unprompted where he kind of said, look, different guys take losses different ways. And some guys, it's, it's their entire life, and they can't, they can't live, they can't eat, they can't sleep when they lose. And other guys are like, you know, they, they, can, they can move on and, and be focused on the next opponent. Just a job. Yeah. And, and he didn't say it that way. Yeah. He said more it's, hey, they turn the page and they're ready for the next opponent and they're not dwelling on the loss anymore. Um, and he's basically saying everybody takes it hard, but everybody takes it hard in their own way. So I think he was almost trying to do, you know, a little bit of, you know, br- building the bridge of guys that think, hey, look, that guy's not taking it hard enough. That we lost. Uh, like That's what I interpreted as when he said that.
3: So I'm taking away from this. They hate Hunter Renfro then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
1: think it's him. Uh, I, I mean, I have, I have a feeling who some of the targets are in the locker room. It wouldn't be anybody you expect, and it wouldn't be anybody at the top of your mind. That's okay. I'll just say that.
2: Adam Hill in studio, Cofield and company on the road, John Von Toble, Cofield, Thomas and Mack getting ready for an 8 o'clock tip with the running Rebels going against number 21. It's going
3: to be like some fourth-string linebacker, is it? Dayton, <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's, that's what's ruining. Really ruining this team. The way McDaniel speaks and with what Mark Davis said about he's doing a fantastic job, McDaniels is, he's safe, right? I mean, they, if they go two and 15, he's safe.
1: Well, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day and he's doing a fantastic job.
2: Okay. Can we, do we want to defend Mark Davis here by by saying that, but, and I don't mean this in a vicious way. Mark is not a wordsmith, (laughs) right? Like he's not, he, he isn't, he's just, he's, he's not. So, when you like, I enjoyed Stephen A. Smith, just absolutely <laughs> melting down for three minutes. <laughs> but I think you also have to know Mark Davis. And that sometimes he says stuff where you're like, okay, that was a weird way to say that.
1: Well, what is the, what's the other interpretation of the
2: word fantastic? Well, I think he needed to follow up with something else. <laughs> okay. just the the, the like thesaurus for, for,
3: is not that deep, right? He just he needed, he needed a word I, for Yeah, let me,
2: let me throw the other thing out there. But I don't know if you'll tell me. Uh, you guys had that quote. Was that, was that to one of the RJ reporters? Uh, yeah, it was Ed. Okay, it was that? Because I'm, I'm thinking of other people. You know, who asked the question is important as well. Sure. Right? Uh, I mean, yeah. we, we, we see it. We, we've, we've seen it. I mean, Mark Davis, with some other reporters, might not say anything or, might you know, might give a different answer. Sure. So it depends on who asked it's,
1: it. it. It's also factually correct that Rome was not built in a day.
2: That, that part is correct.
1: Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with saying that's true. It's just factual. Uh, it's... Look, yes, to answer your question, in my mind, like, I could be wrong. I'm not the one writing the checks, and I don't think the fans are either. Like, I, I, people do forget that whether they paid in one lump sum, which I don't think is true, or they paid over time, they are still paying John Gruden. Yep. And Josh McDaniels has a four-year contract. So you would, you would be firing Josh McDaniels. You'd also be firing Dave Ziegler. Like, to me, they are a package deal. I don't think Dave Ziggler's firing Josh McDaniels. So now you're, now you're going to be paying John Gruden you're going to be paying Dave Ziegler, you're going to be paying Josh McDaniels a lot of money and a new coach and a new GM. Like, who's writing these checks?
2: And on top of that, go get Sean Payton. Yeah. It will cost you draft capital probably. And and he's free, right? I mean, you don't have to pay him. Yeah. And then he's going to draw a top-notch salary. Sure.
1: So that, that to me, is the issue of whether you think Josh McDaniels is building something or is doing a fantastic job or should be fired – financial part of it is a massive part of this that I don't think enough people are talking about.
3: So then, I mean, so did Devontae Adams join a team that's about to enter a rebuild? Enter? I mean, I mean in the sense that they're going to, like, I would assume you mentioned the pillars, right? The easily removable pillar is Derek Carr. The defense is nowhere near a competition level. I mean, this is, a, this is now a rebuild, right? Like, this is, this is it.
1: Yeah, but it might not, it, it might not be a massive... Rebuild like I do, I do think there's some parts in place right where I you know ideally to me you lose out if you're trying to if you're going to try to get a draft pick if that is the direction you're going you lose out you get the quarterback you want I think you could also then bring in Garoppolo still I think that's still a possibility with you know that they've worked with him they know him they trust him I think they can make that work to mentor the younger quarterback and to start for next year if they want to play, if they want to try to compete. And there's a couple pieces on defense that I think you could add and get significantly better. Uh, so I, I, to me, it's I I would rather go full rebuild. I would have done that before this season. But if that's not the direction you want to go, there are some, some patches you can try to put in place and compete more next year. But if you don't think the rest of the roster is there or anywhere close, I mean, do you get – lucky and chandler jones retires i mean there, there's there's things that could happen that could put them in a much better spot than we think they're going to be in and there's still some cap space so there are some there are some things that say you could probably make it happen fairly quickly
2: we got two minutes left with adam hill for your xfl talk so was, what are you most excited kidding. about the quarterback placement the <laughs> was, uh, the vegas team has their two quarterbacks Uh, Luis Perez is one of them.
3: Or you keep calling them the Vegas team, but they have a name. Vegas Vipers.
2: Uh, The other one is uh, Jalen McClendon. St. Louis might be the team that you root against, Adam, and I assume you're on this beat. You're on every beat, but you'll be on the XFL beat. Do You see that A.J. McCarron is going to uh, give it a try with the Battle Hawks of St. Louis. Yeah, I don't think he he didn't show up today, so good start. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, bad start. (laughs) That's the good start for him. And the draft is going on this week, right? They, so they basically they, they placed quarterbacks on all the teams. They did. And then uh, the draft is going on.
1: Yeah, uh, day one of the draft is tomorrow, okay. uh, be there bright and early. And, uh, yes, the, the way they draft is very weird, uh, but it's four position groups, and there's 11 picks in each of the position, group, position groups. So bright and early right away, it's offensive skill players f- for 11 rounds uh, right away. We'll get to find out some of the skill guys. Then there's offensive line, defensive line and linebackers, and then uh, defensive backs. And then the big one for me, specialists on
2: Thursday. Can't wait for that. That's exciting. Multiple features on the specialist. They're going to play where? Because they couldn't work out a deal with Allegiant. The Raiders have the right to block them from playing at Sam Boyd. I suppose Cashman could be an option. LV Ballpark. And they're not going to play at Gorman, right? I mean, if you're professional football league, you can't cap out at like five thousand seats. So you've mentioned
1: what have you mentioned? Six venues right now?
2: Well, I mentioned two that you can't use. The, the Legion, they couldn't work out things for well, whatever know, reason, never know. And, and Sam Boyd, the Raiders can block all competition from using Sam Boyd.
1: I think you've mentioned six six venues. They do not have a deal in place right now. Right. I will say, uh, hopefully, a story will be coming soon to the Review Journal uh, oh, when okay. things are actually official.
2: Okay, okay. scoop. Okay, but
1: uh. It's probably one of the places you mentioned.
2: All right. Well, That's not good at- I still have uh, a couple hours to retract uh, one of my Nevada Broadcaster of the Year votes. Well, I'm not, so I'm not, not telling save you. Save it for the paper. I'm not, not, tell- on the, not on radio. I'm not, you're out. I'm not saving it for the paper. I okay.
1: mean, I, I am eventually, but yes. I don't have it confirmed yet. So it's one of those spots.
3: So recklessly yeah. speculate. Let's go.
1: There's one that stands out to me that would be awesome. There's no way it's Sam Boyd.
2: That'd
1: be tough. There's a lot of weeds and stuff there. Okay.
2: <laughs> what weeds in the negotiation <laughs> I, or weeds I, I, on the field? I
3: feel like of of all the obstacles to overcome, <laughs> weeds <laughs> weeds is where we draw the line, man. But I Finance think like red tape. I no think way. like
1: growing through the concrete, like in the stands and stuff. It's it's not a good. It's not okay. good. All right, Adam. What would be
2: your favorite of all those? Like, what would be the best place to go see a game? Sam Boyd. I think Sam Boyd. Okay.
3: Yes. All right. Miss those dirt right. lots.
2: He's not saying anything.
3: Adam, we'll
2: talk to you soon. Sounds Have a good, good evening. You too.
3: Can't wait to read in my E edition of the RJ that I get in my email. Every <laughs> so morning. what is it? Thanks What's for one? subscribing. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I subscribe <laughs> as well. Thanks, Adam. So which one is it?
3: So, what, so it's Sam Boyd, Gorman, and what was the other LB one? LV Ballpark. LV Ballpark. I mean, I would say. And, and, and Cashman. Okay. Oh, ca- I would say probably Cashman.
2: I thought he said one of them would be, I don't know how he put it, Spectacular.
3: I mean, Gorman. I think Gorman. Is he being would just, sarcastic? I think Gorman would just be funny.
2: I mean, it's it's a it's an it's it is a nice you know little stadium, but and it would
3: be very intimate. Yes. I mean, if you got five thousand, it'd be a very nice home field advantage in a league that home field advantage is probably not going to be very strong.
2: Over under Raiders five and a half wins. What am I doing? Over So that's
3: so total I, so right, so yeah, not going forward
2: total it, wins. The rest of that's it. That's the whole season. Total five and a half. Yep, five and a half. So Let's I do mean, it. So I can have. I need four? something. I need something.
3: No under. Four really? wins the rest of the way. I'm glass overflowing, man. You know
0: that? I know. but like, I want
2: something to root for. The chaos is Go overflowing. Go Raiders. The
0: chaos is overflowing from the locker room. Like, no. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at JVT. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. On the shot clock, Morgan stuck at the baseline. Elijah Harkless able to grab it. Behind the back pass. Over to
4: Gilbert. Near side three. No good, but it's, it's Milwaukee. Able to fire it down with a two-hand jam.
0: Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas & Mavs. TV call there of David Mowaka
2: with the Put Back Jam. Matt Neverett on the call. What's funny?
3: I just, so people tell me that I, like, when I, so like, I was doing an interview the other day on the phone, right? And so when I do interviews, I just kind of, you know, pronunciate a little bit more. Like, I I talk normally, but I'll just talk a little bit louder. It is so funny because I know multiple guys uh, who are play-by-play guys in, doing, in terms of what they do in the job. And the way they speak as play-by-play broadcasters as opposed to when you're just, like, chopping it you up. Wor- with you them. work with Matt? Yeah, I used to work with Matt at, uh, at v right? Yep, okay. and so every time I see him here, you know, we chat for a little bit. Yeah. You could have played that for me. I would not have known that was him.
2: Okay. I don't hey, do that, do I?
3: I don't think so. No. Not, but I haven't really heard a lot of your other than, now. I haven't, really, I haven't really heard your, your, your analyst Well, voice. I'm not
2: doing play-by-play play either. No. It's a different thing. It is a different thing. Yes. Enunciate. Pronounce. But play-by-play, guys. Get
3: like... Like, if I feel like I was going to be a play-by-play guy, I feel like I'd have to do it like this.
2: You probably would. I've actually taken a fatherly role for some reason with uh, David Mowaka Mooka because I botch his last name all the time, so now I just call him David. Oh, okay. David? I
3: thought you meant with never it. <laughs>
2: David, do not hold on to the rim.
3: You're going to get a technical. He did. That was kind of weak. Like I kind of under, like I said, kind of. I understood what he, the argument he was making. I yeah. understood why he was called for it. It was kind of weak.
2: Am I supposed to mention the officials will come over to the TV guys, mm-hmm. and I'm not really a true TV guy, so they shouldn't trust me when they say something to me. Okay. So uh, Eric Curry, who you know we lovingly call Bill Clinton ref from years ago, right? Looks a little. Actually, Bill Clinton looks a lot older. Uh, he came over. Uh, during the one of the breaks, and he was he was like uh, he's like you treated us well on that uh, technical I gave to uh, their big guy for hanging on the rim. What? So I won't get I won't give away the rest of the conversation. But I, I was because I I was actually glad he didn't listen to the rest of the broadcast because there was another time another official came over and was chatting it up with someone on the sidelines and I heard like well you know they they watch too much NBA and I'm just like. Okay, just officiate officiate the game. game. And I said it. I said it on the TV broadcast. I'm like, let's just do the game. Just do the game. So something else. I misunderstand stuff all the time, and I'm not a coach, right? Mm -hmm. So I try to understand basketball, but I'm not a coach. So I've been raving about this flopping rule now that they give shots out. So I asked Kevin Kruger about it, and he gave an answer that I did not expect. I don't think a lot of coaches like the potential ambiguity Mm -hmm. of the flopping call. And, again, the flopping call can be called on – you know, uh, block charge on the charge, you can do a head throw, you can throw yourself to the ground on a, on a three-point shot. And it's been called four times in the two UNLV games. So um, I, I, when I was talking to Kevin Kruger, I said uh, this is gonna kind of be interesting with the games moving forward.
4: Well, it certainly can. Um, I think when you have such an unclear and ambiguous rule, you're going to have however many refs there are in the country, you know, are gonna have a different interpretation of it. and. I've never personally understood why we can't, if you think it was that bad, just call a block or call a foul or call it the offensive foul. But uh, I think it stops and slows down the game. I think it's frustrating in the sense right now because everybody, we don't fully understand it yet, only being two games in. So as the season goes on, I think there will be a better understanding and a little little more consistency and clear-cut view of it. Um, But yeah, it makes us as coaches a little anxious because um, it just adds another element to the game that... Uh, you know is there
2: is there at the end just another element that is there yeah clear cut is a big deal
3: I mean also I think it's a great point like it does like just completely disrupt any flow of a basketball game when they're called like everything just comes to a screeching halt when those things are called I, I don't really like them a lot at all so far this so far but I'm not a curmudgeon like you I'm down with the head throws I don't like the head Wrong, throws. Throw back all the time. I don't like the fake <laughs>
2: charges. You know, God bless Shane Battier and Coach K. I don't like it, I would so love, I want it out of the game. I want
3: a college James Harden, like who just gets to the free throw line 25 times. No, game. you don't. It'd be great. No, you,
2: no, you don't. He would get a lot of technicals. Well, you can only get so many. <laughs> uh, let's give away some tickets right now. Pink. 2023 coming to Allegiant Stadium. Tickets go on sale on the 21st at 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.com. Ari's got a pair of tickets to go see. Pink, she's fabulous. 364 1100 364-1100. I meant it. she is fabulous.
0: Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. It's 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Thomas and Mac. I looked up Zippy's
2: in Honolulu. Um, there's one close to the football hotel if okay. you're going on the football trip to Hawaii, uh, Zippy's Chili. But you're going to have to uh, take a ride share. You can't walk there.
3: Oh, I don't know if it's worth it then. I, I have a friend. I have a colleague who swears by Zippy's Chili. Of, of all the places in Hawaii. in
2: Hawaii, that's what's been recommended is and Zippy's. Zippy's Fest. the chain? Like yes, like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah.
4: When I was at Arizona State, there was one down the street. Zippy's is good. Is okay. it good? It's chili, yeah. yeah. All right. I don't remember the chili, though. I don't remember. I remember, like, fries and burgers and yeah. things like that. I don't remember chili. But I, it's got to be good.
3: Yeah, I want to go, like, a whole thing is when we go on these trips, I want to try different things. Sure. And, I mean, I guess I want to do this just because I'm told up and down that it's incredible, so. Yeah, Barry
4: Pierce with us, huh?
2: assistant for UNLV. Good way to start off the conversation. We do have a no a no chain rule. Right, when we go on these road trips, but uh,
4: it's got to be more diners, drive-ins, and dives. That's type you situation. know, that's
2: generally yeah. what I try to look for. Yeah, but I've whiffed a lot lately. I, wh- I whiffed. <laughs> I whiffed badly. We went to San Diego. I whiffed badly.
3: So I can't wait to see what San Juan Capistrano uh, has in store. Yeah, going to be out there for yeah. a couple of days.
2: That is going to be a bit of a long trip. Yeah. We'll find stuff. We always do. We always do. All good right, good so spot. let's let's talk a little Runner Rebels basketball. And well, first of all, why this spot? You're a well-traveled guy. I'm sure you know there's lots of jobs you you could have taken and. Uh, now you're on the UNLV staff.
4: Yeah, thankful to be here, excited to be here. You know, UNLV was always has always been a place that I, you know, kept my eye on and looked at and from where for where I'm from, you know, being in Utah and my wife's from Utah as well. Uh, this is a nice spot to be closer to friends and family. We'd been kind of far away from home for a number of years and when this came up, uh, we had just finished the season at Texas Tech and it was a good it was a good year, it was a fun year. We had a good group. Um, And had really good success but an opportunity to come closer to home and then working with Kevin and and, you know Close to him and his father over the years and things like that That was an easy opportunity for me and something that I thought we could come and be a part of something good and 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 have a have a big say in in how we're doing things and have an opportunity to really um, jump into something
2: Talk about recruiting to Vegas
4: well, it's an exciting time to recruit to Vegas, you know, I think that you know, everybody wants to talk about Portal and NIL and different things like that. But the bottom line is is I still feel like we have a good national brand and people know who we are. Uh, and it's a spot where, um, as you saw in the springtime with our group, this is uh, a really good, and this is not saying it negatively, this is a really good second spot in the transfer portal. You know, we got a guy from Ole Miss, a guy from Oklahoma, a guy from Colorado, a guy from Arizona, and on and on and on. And so I I think you'll see us be a part of that, but also blend in the high school guys like we just did this this fall, a high school guy, a junior college guy, uh, and try to keep that roster balanced as well.
3: What are some of the challenges as a recruiter when you're coming into a new place and getting involved with some guys that maybe the program's been targeting already?
4: Uh, you just have to dive in and, you know, get to know them and, 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 you know, figure out, you know, who they are and what what they like and, and the focus and their folks and who's connected to them and all those things. And we, we all kind of did that this summer between me and Coop and Jamal. And, and it's gone well. It's, it's gone really good. And, you know, this is a staff we've all known each other. The coaching world is such a small world, as you guys know. So we all knew each other. And so when when this staff kind of came together, it was an easy fit. Let's talk about the makeup of this roster and what you see in the first
2: couple of games. First of all, turning the uh, well, turning the opponent over 53 times is insane. So you're getting active hands.
4: Yeah, you know, we've tried to really have a big impact on, on what we're doing at the defensive end as far as, you know, we recruited a bunch of guys that are kind of mid-sized guys and guys that are athletic and long and can play multiple positions, especially on that defensive end of the floor. So you're seeing us switch a lot be able to really pressure people, you know, tonight that'll be a big deal that we that we pressure them and not let them run their stuff cuz they do a great job of running their stuff, but uh, how we play defensively really fits our roster and then offensively, you know, as we all get to know each other, offense is a lot more difficult than defense. If you can get guys to play hard and buy into what you're doing and there's always four or five rules that you got to, you know, pertain to what no matter what kind of defense you're playing, but as we play offense and get to know each other better, know everybody's strengths and weaknesses and where they like to ball and how they like to play and who plays well with who, um, I think you'll see us get better and better at that end as well.
3: So I was watching you guys a practice the other day, and I think something I've noticed sitting on the sideline watching is teams don't really have success with the first two games going baseline on you guys. Like, What have you guys done? Because you were coaching using the baseline as an extra defender. It seems like it's really strong for you guys down there.
4: Yeah, you know, we're going to try to do a good job of not letting the ball just hang out in the middle third of the floor and get it on the side and then push it down and you know, there's that old adage that, you know, the corner, you add those extra defenders with the sideline, the baseline, the backboard, all those kind of things. And so that's something that we're really trying to take to heart and, uh, and pressure people. But, again, our length and size and quickness can be a big part of that as well. And if we do a good job, um, I think we can stay up there as far as, you know, statistics are concerned with turning people over. Can
2: you pressure the ball? We're not talking about press. Just pressure mm. the ball on in the inbounds 94 feet. The entire season is that something you can use against everyone? Like, what are the perils of doing that? Because the first two games, it's been incredibly effective. Every time I look up, the other team's trying to start their offense. It's like 14 on the shot clock.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's probably probably a staple of who we want to be. Whether it looks like a real press or a fake press, I think it'll change from game to game and situation to situation. But we need to do a good job of having that ball come over the uh, the half court line at 22, 21, 20, and then people get into their offense, you know, you kind of break that shot clock down in thirds if you can pressure it in the backcourt a little bit for eight or 10 seconds. And then you get that middle third where somebody thinks they're running their offense. And then like everywhere in America, pro or college, then it's going to end with a ball screen or somebody driving the ball.
2: Yeah. I was saying to Kevin Kruger the other day about the progress of a guy like uh, Keyshawn Gilbert a year ago, he was, he was the defensive stopper. And he'd be the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. being frenzied in the backcourt, and you've now built a roster where he doesn't have to be the guy all the time, which is going to help his scoring. I'm blown away. And it's it's like not an obvious thing, but just solid fundamentals of Eli Parquet covering guys full court. And it just it looks easy for him.
4: Yeah, I mean, you echo what goes on in staff meeting about twice a week when we pull up film, whether it's the game or practice, where it's like, Look at E.P. move. Like, are you kidding right? me? smooth. Like, yeah. He's on skates, and it's just smooth and easy, and it looks easy for him. You know, you talk about Keyshawn. You know, Keyshawn probably last year and then early this year a little bit, we were messing around with him being up front, pressing the ball, especially when we're kind of back but not pressing it other than the ball itself. Uh, and then we figured out, uh, that seems pretty dumb. Why don't we just put E.P. up there and let him just run him ragged because, A, he never, get, never gets tired, and, B, it's easy for him.
2: And there's nothing worse when you're a
4: point guard, right? <laughs> like as soon as, no, you get, I mean, soon as you get the ball, you're like, what? Really? He's in my face
2: already? I can't even see up the floor?
4: Yeah, no. And, you know, tonight's a perfect example. If we let Elvis, number 24, for, for Dayton have a nice, easy night getting them into their offense without turning them in the backcourt two or three times and making it hard for them to get over the floor, they'll be better than us. But if we do some of our things that we like to do, especially with those guys, you know, Keyshawn was that guy last year you talked about. Now we feel like we have four or five of those guys that can do that. You know, you got EJ, you got EP, you got Lou, all these guys can do that.
3: So, you guys, obviously, defense turns to offense a lot with you guys for the first two games. But it does seem that there's a point almost where they're almost a little too eager to run. There's been some second-chance opportunities for the first two games for the opponents. Is that something you guys have seen?
4: Yeah, I think especially when the score gets tilted a little bit and you get that gap, you get guys going, okay, we stopped them, I'm going to run out and get yeah. that layup. I don't think there's ever been a season, this is my tw- 27th year of college basketball, I don't think there's ever been a time where you get in those games to like, hey guys, uh, can you wait and rebound the ball and then we'll run uh, when that gore, when that score gets lopsided like that. So yeah, we've seen that, but you guys have easily studied this team we play tonight. If we don't hit them tonight, keep them off the glass, we'll be in real trouble.
2: Barrett Perry's with us, the uh, one of the assistants for the Rebels. Dayton coming up, number 21 team in the country. That's an eight o'clock start. Get out here to Thomas and Mack. Uh, great ticket specials, and uh, the students have uh, free food out front. That's very cool. Student giveaway with some uh, glow-in-the-dark T-shirts as well. So, good spot to watch and a good team, a uh, really good team in Dayton. Let's talk about scoring. So, so far, what are your impressions of Harkless and Luis Rodriguez? Like, I see it in both of them. They mm-hmm. haven't made as many shots as they wanted to, but mm-hmm. I see it.
4: Yeah, I'm not real worried about them. They haven't shot the ball well yet at all. I hope they shoot it well tonight. But in general, we know them so well. We've known them over the years at their other schools and coming through high school and different things. So we've seen them do well shooting the ball. I think it's more of a chemistry thing of getting minutes and games under their belts together. you know. And then you got Jackie in there as well. I think there's four or five guys that can really punch you. Um, and what I like to say is you know, guys that can go bam, bam, bam and make somebody call timeout. You know, with EJ, with Lou, with Jackie, some of those guys, they have the ability to do that. But we're still figuring out roles a little bit and the chemistry of it. But um, you probably would see us maybe have a little bit more trimmed, trimmed back version of the roster tonight as far as playing time as well. So that might help some.
2: So there could be some shyness in, you know, in terms of understanding you know, alpha roles and when to take a shot. One guy who's not shy, and you just mentioned him, Jackie's not shy. <laughs> Jackie will shoot, and he'll shoot from anywhere. He is... Man, I thought he was going to be more of a developmental guy coming from Duquesne. And I yeah. saw, it's funny. I saw yeah. one, uh, and I, I think the guy does a good job. I saw an analytics uh, board, a guy named Evan Mia, who does a nice job with the transfer portal. Not that many people cover the transfer portal. And, you know, he had Lou Rod, and he had uh, Harkless as, like, top 75 guys. And then mm-hmm. he had Jackie Johnson as number 608 in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay. I guess maybe they're going to yeah. redshirt this guy. Yeah. They're going to play a whole and lot. And then, he's young,
4: and he's younger. He is, three years to play. Is. But yeah. holy
2: cow. He can do a lot of things. And, and the other thing I didn't expect – because I didn't get to watch Duquesne last year. Is like 200, 205 pounds at 5'11. He's a freaking truck.
4: Yeah, he's a tank. He's a bulldog. You know, I'm challenging him a lot to be more of a bulldog defensively. Um, you know, I tease him and say the floor is sometimes tilted. It's really fast going to that offensive <laughs> end and not as good on the defensive end. And I'm always more concerned about the defense. So you could see why I'd say that. But. Um, Jackie, Jackie was shooting the ball on his visit. Jackie was shooting the ball when he got <laughs> off the bus when he got here, and he hasn't stopped shooting the ball. Um, but he's that—you know—he's that guy. I mean, he's—he's he's that guy that needs to be a microwave for us coming off the bench. And and uh, we, uh, Jackie's another guy that we all knew really well coming up through AAU, and then when he went uh, out east and and different things, and so we knew his talent. Um, and he's trying to fit in a little bit too, you know, because there, there's there's only one ball, and there's a bunch of guys that can really score. So. I think we have to continue to grow on that. We don't have anybody fighting it. We don't have anybody that's challenging like what coach wants to do or anything like that. It just takes time.
3: Right. Well, what have you seen from Keyshawn Gilbert's game early? Because that's another thing, too. Where he seems pretty aggressive, but he seems a little bit more in control. Like We talked to Kruger right before the season started. He called him a little out of control at times, needs to know when to go and when not to. It, it seems mm-hmm. through the first two games he's kind of gotten a hold of it.
4: He's going to get downhill. He's going to get through the paint, You know, whether somebody wants to let him or not, uh, quite a bit. You know, where he has to continue to grow is, you know, coming to those two-footed stops, not being out of control, going off one foot. You know, it's so hard in college basketball now, the way the game is played and called, to go and score that ball off one foot in that nice, easy, flowing layup. They don't let you do that, you know, because they let you ride their hips so much. And you've got to come with two feet and share it out or go up on the rim and finish it. He's doing a better and better job of that. And then, you know, he has to, you know, he, he's a combo guard that's being forced to play point guard um and so he's in a situation where he has to still figure out okay involve everybody still get something done from my individual angle and on and on
2: yeah what i do like about uh harkless and especially gilbert and i think jackie has this I mean, it's a weird way to say it but they can kind of get to where they want to get to and not everyone can do that mm-hmm. um and the other thing about gilbert and we saw this last year uh, he's almost a scary guy to play against because of the physicality like I wonder sometimes when you play basketball, you look across and you're like, is that guy going to hurt me? Mm-hmm. Like he's that physical, but at 6'3", yeah. he does that. Because there were a couple times last year he'd come in and he's like, I don't care, I'm going to go at the big guy. Like you, He whacked Orlando Robinson a couple of times in a game, <laughs> and Robinson's like, dude, I'm going to rip your head off. But he was yeah. also
4: like, are you crazy? Yeah, Keyshawn's tough. He's a tough kid. He has no fear. Um, and give him a lot of credit. You know, if you hang around our building, he's one of the first ones in there every day and the last ones to leave. He continues to grow his game. You know, even when I got here, Coach was like, you wouldn't believe how far his shot has come, or you wouldn't believe how far he's come with this and that, and he's still growing each and every day and learning the game and again, like I said earlier, you know he hasn't always been a point guard, and so you know we're making him be a point guard. It's a great thing for us to have him in there at the point defensively because he's big and long and a strong kid he's got a chip on his shoulder and, and wants to guard everybody in the building
2: What's a scout look like for Dayton?
4: Oh shoot they're very well balanced I don't think you'll see them play a ton of guys, but Um, and they're experienced, you know, it's a team that played a ton together last year. They haven't lost many guys from this roster. Anthony's done a great job of building that program and they've got a lot of continuity and they have a good foundation of who they are. I think if you see the game plan or watch the game just casually, if you see them easily being able to run their actions from side to side, deep into shot clocks, we're probably not pressuring them enough. We need to disrupt them. And that doesn't mean there's gonna be short possessions, but we need to disrupt them and it can't be easy. They have a tremendous shot blocker, number 15, a couple guys that can really score around the rim and talented guys on the perimeter. they got Mongolian Mike. I don't even bother trying to, uh, to uh, say his last name, but Mongolian Mike, number 55, is one of the most talented freshmen you'll see in the country. Uh, Anthony's got a good team, and they're deservedly so, ranked really high.
2: John, do we need to close with some advice on uh, Logan, Utah? Not sure. sure if you're on that trip or not, but uh, that, that one from a food standpoint, Mm. that's interesting Logan I'll just say (laughs) that. black is
4: everything closes too soon that's a problem (laughs) I'm a late night person
2: I will tell you the last time well here's the thing Uh, Logan the the, the drinking's getting up there a little bit finally they actually opened kind of a campus sort of campus not really but uh, a bar in the the downtown area that caters to more of the kids and I I will say the kids have not adjusted to it because as I was walking late night back to the hotel around 12, 15, mm-hmm. there was a young man in a, like a full jean outfit just mm-hmm. passed out. The gra- it was lovely grass, <laughs> but I had never expected to see that in all the places <laughs> like Logan, Utah, get kid passed out. But they're, they're starting to get there. Yeah, it's they'll a, get there. It's, they a good brec- it's a good breakfast city. We'll okay, good. yeah, early morning, good there, good spot. There you go. All right, Coach, well, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, game time's coming up at 8 o'clock. Running Rebel warm-up is at 7.30. we got 15 minutes left here
0: on Cofield and Company, so stick around. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Wake up with fun on the press box.
3: I saw one of the most horrifying things i've seen in my life during the break i got a text message from my mother for those of you who don't know she has a miniature farm she had a new cow born this morning (gasps) a little baby cow uh it's
0: adorable looking
3: unfortunately though i just pulled up facebook on my phone and the first thing i saw was my mother posting a video of the cow being it's the
0: press box weekdays starting at seven on espn las vegas the Tennessee Titans swagger into Lambeau Field in a short week, looking to make life a little bit more miserable for the Cheeseheads. As for the Green Bay Packers, so far this has been a season they'd like to quickly put in the rearview mirror. But there's still a lot of season left. Can the Packers rise up and slay these Titans? Find out by listening in Thursday night, right after Cofield and Company starting at 5 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. Cofield and Company presents.
1: Hey,
4: hold on! up! up!
0: Grab bag.
4: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
0: Only on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: We just talked to uh, Barrett Perry, one of the assistants for UNLV Rebels. Have three new assistants. I wanted to mention something real quick. You had a good question to the coach about coming in and recruiting when they've already been working on guys and dj thomas was in here the other day for the incarnate word game his dad played here plays at liberty he's got a hell of a list of uh, final six or seven including gonzaga ucla arizona florida houston tough competition
3: 24-7 lists you want to be as the favorite
2: okay well it was very interesting he they put together a video, and it was on a lot of – I don't know who put it together, but it was on the platforms uh, for UNLV basketball, which I thought was interesting. Um, I still think it's an uphill battle. But you do realize, you know, the, the guys who are the four-stars – this is a 2024. He could reclassify DJ Thomas. But you do realize a lot of the four-stars right now, you know, your staff has been working on for three and four years. And, boy, Kruger really was dealt a crappy hand in the offseason. And I think a lot of it was just money, Right. Group of five schools, you got a budget, right? And Texas with Chris Beard, that SOB, right? Uh, They don't have a budget. So Brandon Chappelle got lured away very late in the process. From what I heard, he got a lot of money. And Carlin Hartman, good opportunity at Florida to go to the SEC. He probably had his pay doubled. Uh, Buckley left Mm -hmm. to go to South Carolina. I don't know how much longer he's going to be coaching, but, hey, if you get a big payday from South Carolina, you do it. So it is very – think about it. It's very interesting. Now, the – the head of all of it, the buck stops with the head coach. So he's – Kevin Kruger's very involved in recruiting. But I can only imagine the ground you may have to work up when there were relationships developed with recruits with those guys who all left.
3: Right. And like you said, Kruger at the end of the day is probably one of the more important relationships. Uh, but just assuming what recruiting is like in terms of being the recruited – it would be a little jarring to have some, okay, Here, here's some brand new faces here that, you know, you haven't met yet, that they're going to be part of the staff, and they're also going to be trying to court you to come over to UNLV. Now, I think that it would be a really unique challenge on their end, the assistance end, to come in and work on a relationship that's been established now for a couple of seasons.
2: Stick your hand in there, Dave. Half-court offense is going to be really important. Half-court offense is going to be really important. This team can run. They'll create turnovers. What if they don't? But right. you got to score in the half court.
3: Yep, and that's what I'm really interested in. Is and because here's the interesting thing about this team, they're insanely athletic UNLV, and they can get out and run. And all five guys at any point are a threat to finish in transition. Um, but having said that, I'm really interested in some of these games where they're going to slow down. Who is the shot creator? And when you talk about shot creator, that means creators for others, not just themselves. That's why, like Keyshawn Gilbert, as a guy who can drive and kick, is going to be something interesting as he develops moving forward. Harkless, as well, seems to be a little bit more of a scorer. We'll see if he can start to facilitate and add some stuff. You know, Rodriguez, too. A lot of his really good baskets last couple of games have come, again, in transition. But when teams are able to slow you down, or they're just good ball-handling teams and just don't turn the ball over – what happens then when you become a little bit more half-court oriented, you're walking the game, the ball up the floor? I'm very interested to see how they respond to it because there's going to be a, quite a few possessions like that.
2: Bench has been really important. They've been rotating in you know, upwards of uh, 10, 11 guys some games. Shane Noel got a look in the last game as essentially the 11th guy. He's a transfer over from Arizona. Uh, very good background, but we'll see if he can carve out more playing time. How deep do they go tonight?
3: That's what I'm, I'm interested to do because Dayton's not actually deep at all. I think right, right now, what have they played, like eight guys so far or something like that, not even? Uh, let's see, I've got them down as one, two, three, four, five, seven. <laughs> like, I don't think they've played that many. So I would assume a tighter rotation, but I want to see what that rotation looks like coming off the bench, who the um, first guy is. And,
2: and then what's again. the big man rotation depending on fouls. That, that is, Until Isaiah Cottrell is back and he's 6'10", 245, a stretch four, until he's back, that big man rotation can be really interesting. And I, I thought all along this team was built to have – a lot of Luis Rodriguez at the four. Yeah. And we've, we're seeing that early. But until Cottrell comes back, that means every once in a while, Keyshawn Hall going to get a look. Even though he wants to play small forward, you got to put 270 inside. And Carl Jones is going to have to play, you yeah. know, five, seven minutes here and there at 6'10", 250.
3: Can I just say really quick, the Keyshawn Hall center minutes weren't the greatest through the first two games either. So that's going to be something. Well, he's
2: not I'm... comfortable at the position, but right. young man, you're 270 pounds. They need a big. Yeah. You know, I know you like facing the basket, but they need a big. All right, John, thank you. Great job with the setup. Thanks to the Thomas and Mac for hosting the show. UNLV basketball coming up here, pregame, 7.30, tip at 8 o'clock.